When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Collectors Club with Bryce, Michael, and Ivy. I know a story of high strangeness or two. <laughs> Let's do this. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. Oh boys, we have an exciting guest this week that uh, ties, that has a unique connection to Bryce in a brand new movie that is available right now exclusively on Shutter called Allegoria. I'm very excited to get into this, but before we do that, I'm guys are just jumping right into it because I want to get to our guest. Yes. Um, Got to do a little clubhouse keeping, all right? Let's do it right now. Guys, if you've been breaking waves on jet skis down at the local waterway this summer, then we hope you've done so while wearing your official BCC jet ski summer shirt by James Maholland, which is on sale Right now at our T Public shop, which you can check out by clicking the link in the episode description or clicking the link in our bio on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. Now, when the summer ends, this t shirt rides off into the sunset like we did on those chef's kit jet skis. So be sure to pick up yours today. Um, that's right. Good delivery on the <laughs> chef's kiss ad lib. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Also, welcome. Riley, I just want to make sure you're not like quietly crying and we need to check in with you because we skipped right into, we basically skipped the chit chat. You doing okay over there? No, no, I'm great. I'm <laughs> okay, excellent. Good. Thank, okay, thank good. you for checking. I appreciate it. I just wanted to. Speaking of checking, we want to thank everyone who has checked out our Patreon, BCC, the other side this month. Remember, August is try out the Patreon month. Uh, a $5 monthly pledge keeps the lights on in the BCC Clubhouse and unlocks three bonus episodes that are very exclusive, uh, plus or three three episodes a month, of course, plus our entire backlog of exclusive BCC The Other Side episodes. And if you're feeling extra supportive... A uh, $9 monthly pledge unlocks uh, the Ultra Terrestrial tier, which gives you exclusive access to the BCC soundtracks by me and uh, other songs that I've written uh, and uh, a bunch of other cool things that you can't get anywhere else. Well, there you go. What are you waiting on? Uh, and finally, just a big thing. And be sure to follow, rate, and review BCC on your favorite podcast app. And if you write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the air like this one. Mumsy Nine says, Mumsy. "Long overdue. I've been listening to this podcast for years, thanks to Godmother of the podcast, Jen Kirkman. Mm-hmm. I love how the show has evolved, and in particular, I appreciate all of the hard work and production of the Jet Ski Special. Well, there you go. Keep it up, boys. Thank you for the weekly entertainment. Five stars. 
Beautiful. Mumsy, Mumsy Nine nailed it. Jen, special Jen Kirkman shout out. You know, uh, listeners, Jen moved, I think, like, not full time, but she's in New York City this year, which wow. is why she's not been on the podcast much, if at all. It's been a while in twenty. We got to get her back. Shout out we, to Kirkman. We got to get Jen, Jenny K back. Godmother of the show. She's the one who introduced us to Riley. Um, and she's just one of our favorite recurring guests. It's not that we don't love Jen. She's just been very busy and working in a different time zone. And you know that woman, if you're a fan of Jen, she likes to go to bed at nine o'clock. So we're, <laughs> we're going to have to figure something out. Um, all right. Speaking of awesome women, Bryce, why don't you introduce this week's guest? Perfect. Our next guest is a creative force to be reckoned with. She's the front woman for the LA-based old insanity band, Knee High Fox, as well as the creator of a slew of critically acclaimed and audience-praised horror shorts like Frank and What the Spell. She's acted in movies like Underworld Evolution and In the Land of Women, and she just produced, starred in, and composed Allegoria, a horror anthology movie about a group of artists whose lives become unwittingly entangled as their obsessions and insecurities manifest, monsters, demons, and death. Exclusively out now on Shutter. Please welcome to the clubhouse, Chrissy Fox. Hey, that was welcome, wonderful. Chrissy. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You so Thanks much. for being happy here. To be here. Oh, um, I'm Bryce, so happy I feel like to you be could here. do a little. I, Bryce, I'm sorry, Chrissy. I have a note for Bryce. No. I feel like Bryce, you could do a little bit better with the delivery of what the spell. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, <laughs> I know. I got excited. I rushed it. Sorry. It happens all the time. <laughs> well, let's hear it. It's let's okay. hear the, Try it again. Try it again. We can all go what around the, and say what the, what, what the spell? Pretty good. Riley, yeah. let's hear your delivery. What the spell? That was. <laughs> oh, I like crazy. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to try it. What the spell? Uh, yeah, no, you had a vision for it. I, I don't know. I don't know Chrissy, Chrissy, how how should we deliver it? Okay, it'd be like, what the spell? Maybe like yeah. that. Uh, That's it. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah, That's beautiful. Well, I feel like Great. I needed. I don't. I can't be Riley. <laughs> yeah, well, none of us can. Good. That's the problem with our. Lives. I hardly can. I tell you, it's a lot. Um, Chrissy, it's oh so great gosh. to have you on the show. We had—I don't want to say your better half, because clearly you must be the better half. Oh no, he's my much worse half. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> we had Spider One on the show back in episode one twenty nine, and uh, we know that you lived in a haunted apartment, and I think we. All agree we need to hear your side of the story on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we saw a video with that yeah, too. We that did. Was, it's still yeah. on our reels yeah. if people want to watch it. Um Man. let's get into that, but but before we do, let's hear a little bit about Allegoria, which Bryce, you are also in. I watched the movie last night. It was so much fun, very creepy, very gross. Oh, if you like gore, you. it's great stuff. Nice. You're great in it. Um, talk to us about Allegoria. What's the movie? What's it about? How did it come to be? Well, well, first of all, I got to play Bryce's girlfriend in this, which was very fun because he was awful to me in this movie. So, and he is not an awful guy at all. So it was pretty funny, actually. But uh, no, Allegoria started out actually as a short. So um, the first the first segment of the film uh, stars John Ennis, and he's this horrible acting coach who bullies this small acting class and um, ends up that my character gets revenge on him at the end. And and so it just started out as that and Spider was kind of, you know, dwelling in it because, you know, this was something he had written and directed and 
And he's like, you know, I feel like there's more to this. And and I agreed. And I'm like, you know, I think we need to produce this more as a feature, a feature, not necessarily anthology, because all these stories are connected. And, you know, my character shows mm. up in the first story and the second story, which stars Bryce. And and then I come back around in the fifth story, which is the final story. Um, so it's it's cool to watch this film because every single segment you can piece all the people together. And at the end, you're like, oh, OK, so. It's really just about tortured artists and kind of the demons that you can bring upon yourself as an artist. And it's we don't it's know really... anything about that. I know, right? <laughs> really. yeah. yeah, you needed like a really frustrated uh, podcast host in that movie. I, say. That's I know. Podcast. Well, that's the sequel. <laughs> It'll... Um, but it's yeah, great. it was it was great. Yeah, it was a great fun. process to do. Thank you. How did it come about? So you guys, because I think all the chapters work really well on their own as well. Like you could just watch the chapters, but you get it does pay off if you sort of see it as that collective. How did it go from uh, filming it to getting it on Shutter? Who, by the way, Shutter needs to be like an official sponsor now. This is like the second <laughs> Shutter film we've had on in the past yeah, month. Um, how yeah, did it I mean, end we up were being over there. We were super, super lucky. Um, you know, when we made this film, it was right – we actually shot the Ennis segment, the first one, two days before the full lockdown from COVID. Oh, wow. And oh, then wow. – yeah. Oh, sorry. Hold on one second. There's a lurking sorry. cryptid in the background. Yeah, there was something going on. Sorry. Still it's still in a haunted house. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me start again. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> no, so it started out just, um, you know, when we filmed the first segment, it was – Two days before COVID, the full lockdown, before anyone understood, you know, what was really going to happen and that we were in a full pandemic. So we shot this segment. And if you watch it, it's so horrible to watch because he just spits the entire time all over me. <laughs> yeah, I I went to a school. I went to school with a guy who did that when he was acting, and it was like everyone needs to stand five feet back from him because he's coming flying. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I was soaked and I don't think anyone else understood till they watched, you know, the dailies later and were like, "Oh my god." I'm like, "Yeah, wow. it was crazy." <laughs> but it worked. It was effective. So, um, we always oh. joke that that's kind of where COVID started. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we did that segment and then when we you know, we kind of kept going and we it was more for our own personal sanity i think to shoot this film and you know we had some great friends like bryce and obviously john ennis and scout taylor compton and adam bush and all these great actors were just at home because you know no one was working at that point so we were actually extremely lucky to pull together this cast and this tiny skeleton crew and we weren't sure exactly what what we were going to do with it we just were like let's just make this and and make it the way we want you know we want to present it and um we were so lucky because RLJE saw it and they're like, we want this. And Shutter got on board very quickly and they've just been championing this project. And, you know, it, it was it so far exceeded what we expected to happen. But it's kind of crazy because that was always our dream choice, dream That's team. Awesome. So, Love that. <laughs> yeah, super exciting. 
Um, Bryce, did you make yeah. out with your co-star in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was uh, unfortunately not. I was sitting next a charred, to a, a charred corpse, a, ch- a, a charred corpse of <laughs> my inner, my inner self. Yeah, that's when I did. You get to like, was there a cutscene where you got to make out with that charred corpse? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I got to play this true. artist. And and for those who don't know, he spiders a pretty uh, great. Uh, uh, a painter as well, so it was fun, kind of uh, uh, painting over his his big painting and then watching it come to life and destroy me. Uh, I love that. So it was it was it was great working on a project that you know kept the artist in mind and our and our of course the inner life of the you know that we that we bear on ourselves. All that all that angst bubbles up. Well, oh yeah, I, it's funny, Bryce. I had to tell you this. Our we have a toddler, Spider and I, and she knows the end monologue of that my character does, and I thought that was it. And then earlier today, we did an interview with another podcast, and I listened to a couple minutes of it, and they played the trailer, and she started doing your whole monologue in front of the mirror. I was like, oh my <laughs> oh god! My god. Oh, no. This is a cu- this is the cutest little toddler girl too. Could you imagine her delivering that? monologue it's so great i love that i was like driving and i just slowly turned i'm like what the hell wow. we're just breaking I'm, our child i'm actually waiting to watch it with my daughter who just turned 13 because we have this thing where we watch like horror movies together so uh, oh, I, I can't wait to, I, yeah i can't wait to watch it uh with her so i'm looking forward i haven't seen it uh all compiled together yet so i'm really looking forward to doing that it's oh, good yay, stuff. That's so awesome. If you got a Thank shutter, uh, I almost said prescription, subscription, then <laughs> uh, go check it out uh, right now. All right. Chrissy, obviously you're into dark stuff. Um, what is yeah. your personal paranormal history? Have you had anything that began earlier than the haunted apartment that you and Spider lived in? Yes. Like, very much earlier. Um, so I think you guys made a joke on the the episode that Spider was on that I'm actually haunted. And right. I heard that. I that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I think it made me admit a lot of things that I didn't. You know when you're really scared of something and you don't want to admit it out loud because <laughs> then it's real. So the first thing I can remember, I was probably four or five and I was asleep and it was just me and my mom alone in the house and I was asleep and uh, I just heard pots and pans crashing in the kitchen mm. and like a huge, you know, bunch of noise. And it for some reason it woke me up and it really freaked me out. I felt, and you know, your instinct when you're a little kid is that it's your mom, but something made me get out of bed and not go to the kitchen, but go to her bedroom to check. And she was asleep. Mm. And yeah, and the kitchen was totally fucked up when I went out there. And uh, so, th- so it wasn't just noise. Things had been moved around and. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Yeah. And so I went and I got my mom and she didn't believe me, but she, I think she thought that I was dreaming or something. And she made me go back to bed. And probably five minutes later, I swear to God, I got smacked in the head so hard. And when Ooh. I was laying in bed. What? Yeah. And so I started screaming, of course. And I remember my mom came in and she was convinced that something must have fallen off a dresser or something and landed on me. And there was nothing, like nothing. And I was not allowed to have a messy room as a kid. So it's not like there was stuff on the, like there was, it did not happen, but she didn't believe it probably because she didn't want to. Mom's in denial. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So that was the first thing I can remember. And I remember being legitimately scared a lot as a little kid of, you know, the dark and being alone. And wow. it 
and it seemed to follow me. So, you know, um, I met my dad when I was 13 and then I finally got to a point where I was going to visit him and his girlfriend in their house and their house was so haunted. And I don't know if it followed me or if it was just the house, Hmm. but they had this basement they didn't even go into. They rented and like furniture would move around and you'd hear it. And then you go down there and everything. (laughs) Yeah. Everything would be piled in the middle of the room. Like this, Uh this is like stuff. And my dad will, will admit this. My dad will talk about this, but my mom like, yeah, she was like, hell no. I don't Um, want you to talk about this. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That, I mean, when the furniture is moving, that's like, that's a strong force. That's not your average, like, you know, maybe like a lamp flying across the room. That's crazy stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, we talked about that recently and I hadn't really ever brought it up again because it was just scared me until mm. more recently when Spider thought that it was so awesome that my apartment was haunted that I had to live in alone and he got to go home. So that was not <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Women are much tougher than men. It's that that's we've proven that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I want to back yeah, so that, up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just curious about where you were, where this was where you were growing up. Hmm. Oh yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I am from Vancouver Island, um, in BC. So I'm Canadian and, uh, I, I lived in a really small town growing up a a couple of them actually, um, kind of up and down the Island. I know Bryce is familiar with the area. Um, Campbell river was where I was born. And then, and then Duncan BC, which is, you know, a little further up Island. So, yeah, that was where it started. My dad lived in Vancouver. So when I went to visit him, he was in Vancouver. And then mm. I had, you know, as I started getting older, some more crazy things happened that other people witnessed even before the apartment. So at that point, I was kind of slowly getting ready to talk about it. But yeah, honestly, until the apartment and Spider going through that experience and being so excited about it, I was like never mm. wanting to talk about it. Wait, what are the other things that happened to you before the apartment? Well, okay, so so when I moved to L.A., I got this house up in the Hollywood Hills that I had with some friends. And so my side of the house was just mine. And then they we kind of locked off a section where my friend and her boyfriend lived. And, you know, he was always really spooked by a lot of things, which was really fun because I used to scare him all the time. But there was one night that it was 4 a.m., my cat was getting all weird and my cat would always like make these weird sounds and like stare up at the ceiling. And then out of nowhere downstairs, I just hear like a huge crash and then like something smashing. So I thought someone like threw a rock through my sliding glass door or something, which was terrifying. Um, So my, my roommate's boyfriend, they couldn't come into the house. They had to go around the outside and knock on the door to get in. And so I slowly go down the stairs. And when I get to the bottom of the stairs, I can see him through the front door looking at me through the glass. And we both realized that I had this like wall size picture, frame picture hanging on the wall. And it was in the center of the room. Didn't this, fall off the wall. This happened yeah. later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was, this was as an adult. This was, this was, God, no, but like didn't this happen again? At the oh yeah, no this this apartment? is stuff that happened. Yes, this did happen at the haunted apartment, but that was the first time this happened. So, so. this is a <clears throat> obvious recurring pattern. Yes, yeah. Whoa. Unfortunately, yeah, that was the worst thing that happened in that house. It was there was a couple things that were really scary, um, you know, because we had the type of doors that would be like 
front door open, back door open. And, you know, that those would happen. Like the doors would open the exterior doors all the time by themselves, even when they were locked, which sucked. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that was the worst one. And also because he was such a chicken, like we didn't live there much longer. He was, he was so scared after that. And just because we both saw it at the exact same time. So there was no way anybody was making it up. It was just like, yeah. Have you ever like, have you ever sort of uh, sought the help of like a, a spiritualist or a medium or a psychic to sort of, I, I mean, it's, this is must have sent you down a path of like, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out what the hell is going on, uh, right? Well, yes, you know, but I know I haven't and only because of the reason that I was legitimately scared of it. Yeah, totally. So, and, you know, I spent a lot of my time living alone and that, you know, is not comforting and you don't know if something is dangerous. And right. so I would live Damn. a lot in denial. So, but it's funny you say that I did have a friend, my guitar player from my band, his wife, she does readings and that just happens to be something she does. And yeah. she came over to the apartment one time early on before it became very known that this was something was up with this place. And, uh, she stood at the end of my bed and she's like, how do you live here? Oh my mm. God. It is so dark. I don't know how you live here. Like there's something so bad in this. And I was like, stop it. Like I just, Ooh, you know, yeah. and I kind of shrugged her off, but she was absolutely right. So, so yeah, that was the closest I came to any kind of reading or anything right. like that. I've been pushed to do it, but I'm scared of what I might find I'm- out. I mean, you must be saging the shit out of that place, right? Like, I mean, do, <laughs> oh, do you I use any I stuff like that? I don't live like there that, anymore. Or, uh, no, I, I mean, I, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I would carry like sage in my back pocket. Wow, that's that's wild. I have a question. Yeah. How often was this stuff going on? Was it happening enough that you were like forgetting about it in between instances and then being like, oh yeah, I'm haunted. Or was it like, oh, yeah, yeah, there sure would be, there was spaces. Thing. Yeah. There was definitely like spaces of time where there, there wasn't anything like dramatic like that. And, you know, years ago and whether or not something weird may happen, but you can always little things you can shrug off. But wow. any of the major stuff, the, it didn't really go away for quite a long period of time when I was in that apartment. That was the one time that was like so and, – and honestly, the house that where the picture fell off the wall, it, it, there was just something about that house that never – you never felt safe there by yourself. And it, even like, you know, my, my friend's boyfriend, like if she was late from work, he would just come like sit in my living room with me till she got home from work because nobody wanted to be yeah. by himself. Where, yeah, where in L.A. was this? Um, do you know where the Hollywood Reservoir is up there? Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, okay. yes. yes. So yeah, so it's just up there, mm. um, and we rented it for probably a couple years, and yeah, it got to the point. Same thing where no one wanted to live there anymore, and we we're just Without like, gotta get out of here. Too particular. That's a little too close to where I live for me to feel. I wonder if it's your house now. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, let's all stay away from the whole Hollywood Reservoir area now. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, so talk to us about the house that you and Spider were living in. Is, is it that place where all that activity happened with the keys swinging by themselves with the. Um, yeah, that, that one. No. So that was actually. So when I moved out of the house where the, the giant picture fell off the wall, I went and I moved to this apartment building, which is the Broadway on Hollywood and right. Vine, which is a That's well-known right. building. Um and I think it's known to be haunted, but I didn't realize that at the time. Uh, so 
when I moved out of that house, I wanted to go somewhere where I felt really safe because I was living <laughs> alone. <laughs> and, you know, they have front door security. No one can get in the building. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'm, and I, I love the place. So, yeah, I lived there for a little while and it seemed fine. And then little things started to happen. Um, Spider and I, I think with a Oh yeah, it was really early on of us started we started dating and uh I remember I his kids came over one day to visit and they're young and that kind of seemed to set everything in motion like the ghost either didn't like that or did like that, I don't know. But that's when everything started to get really weird and really obvious. Um and I remember this one night, the first night it happened, uh, my friend, the same one that had lived in the house with me, she was over and we were recording some music and I kept trying to bounce something off Pro Tools and there kept being voices and interference in the in the bounce, but the mic was off, everything. It didn't make any sense and we could not get a clean bounce to the point where we had to trash what we were doing. And <sighs> we were like totally weirded out by it. Um, and so, you know, I so I went, picked up my phone and I open up my text messages and in my in where I would send a text, it said his kid's name. And I've I've never even texted his name. It was like so early on, you know, and it was just like, whoa, that's weird. It's almost like someone was in my phone. And so I told him that story. And still, you know, he was like, Oh, you know, something weird could have happened in the bounce and blah, blah, blah. But my friend Michelle, who was with me, she was she's totally believed it, but she's more open to those things. So so then, you know, I kind of had planted the seed and then I'm trying to think what was the next thing in order. Um, oh, I think it was the key thing. So then, because I'd expressed that my cats kept waking up again in the middle of the night and doing the weird thing where it was staring at the ceiling and making weird noises. And so, you know, again, he shrugged it off. Like, no, oh, your cat's weird, whatever. And then I was going on a work trip for like three days and I was packing in the other room where my bedroom was. And then that was when across the room on the other side of the apartment, like the key started swinging. And it was, you know, you saw it. It was on a, a key hook with other keys. Both yeah, of my cats wild. were on the bed watching me. So they were not, it was not the cats. And it just started going and it went so long. So yeah, I just picked up my phone and started filming it. And I was like, see, like see, you're seeing this, right? Right, right. And so then he was like, you know, still trying to explain it away. But he was like, okay, this is weird. And then it just – it kind of got crazy where, you know, that was when he came over and he was like, hey, you know, you notice your pictures are always crooked. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. Like I had all this art and it's like this, you know, above my bed there was five large pieces and they were always crooked. And then I had this signed Texas Chainsaw Massacre poster that was that was also always crooked but always crooked a certain way. And so, you know, I, and I think he told the story. He strained it out, went, went into my bedroom area went and straight, straightened all my artwork out, came mm -hmm. back, and then it was crooked the other way. <laughs> and then he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I wasn't surprised by any of this because this has been something that, had, you know, I had been experiencing. And there was there was a lot of weird things that happened in that apartment building anyway. Like one, one night I was – or no, it was early morning. I was asleep and I heard a really loud sound and someone had jumped off the roof into the alley, like right outside my window. And oh. so there, it was just, yeah, there was like some weird shit going on in there. And I, there was this one night that um, there was like pounding on my door and I was 
recording music, so I thought I was just being too loud, but I was feeling very antisocial, so I didn't answer the door. I thought it was security just telling me to be quiet. I've done that. Yep. Right? Yeah. So I just I'm was not like, I'm here. not going to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Go away. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so I just turned it down. Whatever. The pounding happened a few more times, and I just was quiet, and it went away. And then the next morning, I found out there was like a dude running around the hallway with a butcher knife pounding on doors trying to get mm. someone to open their door. Oh, and they my said, God. They're like, he seemed like possessed, like he was on mushrooms or something. I'm like, I don't think you'd try to kill someone because you're on mushrooms. But, you know, that Jeez. was really scary. So, yeah. So the so then, you know, with the whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, he he took duct tape. And he's like, OK, ghost, see what you can do here. And he duct taped the the picture down and um, we went to bed. And, Probably not uh, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next morning, I think he had to drive his kids to school. So he got up really early and he went to go make coffee. And he just came into the room like in one second later, like white as a ghost. And I was wow. like, wow. And he's like, it's not on the fucking wall. And I thought he was joking. And I know he he couldn't have did it because, you know, he'd only left the room one second ago. So I, I like get up and I come around the corner. And yeah, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre picture was – up against a pillar on top of a trash can, like wow. away from the wall, couldn't have fallen. Yeah, and Whoa. then the the um, nail was just pushed in. So, wow. so it was just, yeah. I mean, so Chrissy, that was, we might we might have to move wild. you to the to the top of the list here. After I mean, two hundred episodes, and I mean, man, I mean, you take the cake. I mean, am I right? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I just wonder. Level. I mean, I mean, literally the picture thing that 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 same thing happened before. That have right. framed, so that to me indicates that this is the same entity hmm. that was in oh, God. The, the reservoir. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because so either two things are ha- are happening, either either something was following you around, or you just had really bad luck with the places right. that you lived. Um, hmm. but right. that that picture thing to me seems to seems to be like the signature move of whatever this entity is right and you know you could be right which is really scary if that's the case um i mean unfortunately things have happened since we've moved from there so that's kind of why and you know it's nice to actually talk to people who believe it because i don't talk yes yeah so people doubt people wow I was going to say people doubt uh, these stories and the sincerity. That's crazy to me. There's, I don't know that they do, but I, I mm. never feel, you know, you feel more comfortable talking about it with people who, you know, are open to this stuff because I, I think you either scare the shit out of people or, you know, they try to find reasons. Well, maybe it was this. Maybe it was this. Yeah, like, that's, no, that's all, I think that's all of our first initial gut reaction is like, oh, what can we do to help? Like, how do we like, I wonder what this is. What does this look like, sound like? Where are some other patterns where this fits in? And as you can see, Michael's already off and running. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I I, if you can solve this, I'm so in because I, okay. I can get rid of this. Well, thing. first of all, I'll say I, we cannot solve it, but we might be able to like refer you to people who who could. Most definitely. Um, I'm just trying to find the patterns here what's been going on since what's the stuff that you're scared to talk about and i don't mean to scare yeah. you i think like <laughs> i don't think there's anything whatever it is is just sort of saying hello i'm here please notice me you know what i mean it doesn't seem i mean i wouldn't necessarily engage with it but 
It seems like if yeah. something really horrible from a horror movie were going to happen, it would have happened by now. You know what I mean? It's true. It's, so, it's a lot of buildup at this point. I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead on. I'm going to just trust that that's the case because yeah, that's I feel what like I want to believe. <laughs> I feel like you've been through the scariest stuff. You know what I mean? Knock on yeah. wood. Oh, you know what I mean? So like what's happened <laughs> since then? Well, okay. So Spider had mentioned, I'm assuming the the rest of what happened there with the whole, like the mirror and everything, right? Yes. And with the handprints on okay. the- Yes. But, but right. yes. tell your side of the story. Sorry, we're jumping on it. Well, no. So of course, you know, after that happened, he was, he didn't have to live there. So he was like, this is amazing. Like there's a, I believe in ghosts now and I'm convinced a hundred percent. And so he was like, let's see what happens, you know? Cause like I would come home and like chair, like my dining chair, would be pushed up against the Island in the kitchen and stuff. And, you know, you can always blame those like, Oh, maybe I bump pushed it out of the way when I, but you know, realistically you probably didn't. So he would start trying to set things up and, and you know, I'm like, can we just not? Cause I kind of don't want to know. Um, and so one night I get in the shower and we're going to go to dinner. So spider and my friend Michelle were both hanging out waiting for me. And, um, so this is, this is an old department store building. So the ceilings are insane. If I stood on the bathroom counter, I couldn't reach the top of the bathroom mirror. Like it was just that type of building. So when I got out of the shower at the very top of the mirror, it just said hi in the steam. Mm -hmm. And so immediately I'm like, fuck you guys, like seriously. And they both had no idea what I was talking about. And obviously the door was locked. I don't even know how they could have did that. Um, so they come in and they're just like, what the hell? And as we're watching, yeah, we're seeing like these little fingerprints on the condensation above the mirror appear. And I think there's a video somewhere that I have to find of that because you can actually physically see it. And they look like tiny little fingerprints and they kind of appear as they go along the wall. And we're just all like so freaked out at this point. And so that was when I decided that I'm going to move and, (laughs) (laughs) and spider and I decided we're going to move in together. So I, I just did not want to live there anymore. And, and then we we started moving all the stuff and, you know, and I had like probably a couple more nights in my apartment and uh, spider was taking a shower and uh, he calls me. And when he gets out and same thing at the top of the mirror, there was an S and a line. So we don't know what it was trying to say. It's like he mm. caught it in the middle of it. So it happened to him as well. I mean, sounds and then like I he think- was trying to spell spider's name. Either his name or we were like, wonder if it's saying stay because we were moving mm. out. Mm, yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. So or siesta, nap time. Or, or that, maybe. yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> one of the I don't know. I don't know. That's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah so we, uh, so at that point, you know, we're moving out. And then, yeah, the very last thing I moved was my computer and my, my production setup. And it, uh, there, and when we moved it, there was all these weird, designs and symbols in my screen and the dust from moving and we were like what is that <laughs> you know i wow. think we have a picture of that somewhere too that we should probably pull up for someone to analyze yeah but any of these we'd love Man. but something the craziest part of this whole story so probably a year ago now so i haven't lived there in i don't know i don't even know at this point six or seven years or something say um so I, I, I randomly, a friend of mine gets, he had seen my place early on before all the ghost stuff and he moved to LA and he's like, I got a place in that building. I just loved it so much. It's so awesome. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I went to, I went to visit him and 
this place it has your car can only be valeted like because of the security thing. So so all the valet guys knew me because obviously I'd lived there a long time. And so they were like, hey, where have you been? Blah, blah, blah. And I was waiting for my car and I was talking to them and they're like, I was like, you know why I moved, right? And and they're like, no. I'm like, oh, this place is so haunted. And they're like, and they told me before stories about like parking the cars and they'd see someone in the rearview mirror and there mm. wouldn't be anyone there. And Mm-mm. But then they said the craziest thing to me. So they're like, it's crazy you say that because we had this guy who just, he like is reporting us. He was freaking out. He's going to call the cops on us because he insisted that someone from the building has been in his apartment because there was writing all over his mirror when he took a shower and things were moved around and it was <laughs> literally and his and his and all of his wow. stuff was crooked and he they said it without me saying anything they just started wow. telling me wow. what this guy yeah and i was like oh my god and so and then and then they're like yeah it was weird because your apartment I don't know if you know this, someone committed suicide right above your your apartment and they didn't find them for a month. Oh, and I was like, what? No. That's a good yeah. place to start looking. Right? So there's yeah. so, there's so much history in that building. And if you look up online, there's a lot of ghost stories and stuff. But I mean, that whole I just area that of Hollywood is so freaking haunted. And that oh, whole totally. strip right there around Hollywood and Vine. Well, mm-hmm. we're we're running out of time, but we can't. Yes. We got to hear. Give us one, okay, thing that's happened <laughs> since that's freaking you out. Okay, so since then we moved to a house that was in Burbank, and we had to move from that house again too. But it was okay, haunted? so we, that wasn't the whole reason. But I didn't. So I started having like this the weird sleep paralysis thing where you'd wake up and you'd see something in your room all the time. Oh, no, we hear and, that all the time on this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was the first thing that happened, but that wasn't the craziest thing. So okay. one night or no, one morning, we get up and we are alone in the home alone in the house and we go into the kitchen and every single drawer and cabinet was open. Every okay. single one in the okay. entire kitchen. Yeah. And then it continued to happen for several days when we would go to bed. And uh and then sometimes and then it would sometimes be in like the bathroom like the drawers would be open. Yeah. And uh and then so we set up a nest to try to catch it because we wanted to see on camera. And then there was – so basically you could see the entire kitchen, two angles. There was only one small cabinet that we couldn't get in the angle. Mm. And our cat was eating in front of it. And all of a sudden the cat just comes like barreling out of the kitchen, slams into the wall and just goes – and we're like, what the fuck just happened? It like flipped his dish. And we go into the kitchen and the one cabinet that wasn't on the camera was open. No, wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. wild. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. So you moved out of there. We moved out of there and then the house we've lived in, there's only been a couple small things. One was I have a piano in the living room and it's one of those electric pianos, but it, it was 4 a.m. and it – woke us up blasting it was playing by itself but it was playing like almost kind of like when you see allegoria the six notes which i think is where the idea actually came from it was playing something like that so it wasn't something that was pre-recorded or could have looped and that could have been turned on and it was just playing it by itself until we ran and turned the piano off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the scariest thing. That I gotta happened tell you, the problem isn't the house. Okay, <laughs> don't you gotta nip this thing in the bud? You gotta get yeah. a good professional yeah. to sit to send this attention hungry ghost out of your life. Yep. 
Yeah. Yes, I think you might be right. I but think, you said it's not gonna. It's not. It's not uh, dangerous, though. You said it's done its work. I mean, so I'm gonna trust you. I, yeah, I mean, but it sounds like just. Oh, I would be living in terror. I'd just be like, oh my god, I can't even make popcorn exhausting. without I you know. Have you ever? I have two questions. One, it was funny that you mm-hmm. mentioned the night terror because I had a little bit of a moment listening where I was like, I wonder if she's had any weird recurring dreams while this was going on hmm now like, i have to think about it like in your night terror what what was manif? how did your night terrors your night pro- sleep paralysis manifest like would you something was just anything? on top of no well oh, first it but, felt like something was on top of me like i was trying to suffocate me you know like those dreams yeah. where you wake up the, and you're trying incubus. to scream yeah kind that's of thing? the incubus yeah yeah. The, yeah 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 so that would happen but then i would wake up and it, I could just see this thing stand. And it was like, you couldn't see what it was. It was just mm. a figure, but it would, and it was like, again, one of those things, I, I didn't tell Spider for probably a year and a half because I was so scared of admitting it and then it being like, okay, now it's real. And that I don't, I don't know. It was one of those things because that actually scared me. Like, mm. sure. see, and you know, it could have been me being half asleep, you know, who knows? Sure. But it was really weird. And the sleep paralysis thing is is terrifying anyway, when you're yeah. like yeah. not fully awake. Yeah. I, so I, that, say, that was the worst. I would say like time to get over the <laughs> I don't want to admit it. You've now <laughs> talked about it on the podcast. Like, yeah, you should yeah. speak to That's a medium. Already help. Yeah. yeah, you should speak to a medium who's like. I don't think anyone's going to be like, well, you're fucked this thing. You know, I just think think there's probably a simple matter of like, we need to like acknowledge and send this one away and have them detach. It could be as simple as that. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say I wouldn't, especially because there's poltergeist activity happening. I wouldn't encourage anything beyond saying something like, I get it. Stop. You need to respect my personal space now. You know what I mean? Like uh, sometimes saying something like that out loud will get it Mm -hmm. to calm down. But I wouldn't engage it in a way where you're like, knock three times if you can hear us. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No. Like I I used to think Ouija boards were funny. No, like I won't do it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because like in some of the stories like, you know, that we hear, it's like that really will just make it stronger because it's like now you're giving me energy and that's what I want and attention. Right. And that's what I want. But I feel like I feel like maybe postponing you know, out, which is a rational thing to do. I don't want to admit this is happening to me. I think that, right. that might be the postponement might be prolonging everything. And I think it's time, you know, like we often do in therapy. It's like, OK, time to address the issue at hand here. You know what I mean? Like, or, oh, or, God, get, I you, just... or, or get you on kindred spirits with Amy Bruni. That's true. I mean, maybe wait, maybe wait long <laughs> enough to have an episode of, uh, about your hauntings. Uh, on a TV show, but um, you know it is Hollywood well, after it's my all. My dream come true. But, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> no. um, yeah, time to talk to a professional, I think, and let's see if we can send this uh, this uh, attend this Woody Woodpecker of a ghost on its way. Well, I think you're right. Like, I definitely um, Spider won't admit this, but the when the all the cabinets and stuff, he might admit it. But all the, the night the, when all the cabinets kept opening and all that, he was so freaked out. And he came home kind of drunk one night, which he barely ever does, and it was hilarious. So he just fucking freaked out because all the cabinets were open. When we got home, and he's just like 
I'm not skidding. Don't fucking open another one of these. He started yelling at it. <laughs> and it never did it again. There you go. My point. There you go. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We unfortunately have to take a break, but when we come back, we have more Chrissy with us. So uh, here we go. Send us off, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, we're back with Chrissy Fox. Um, Chrissy, before we get to this week's story of high strangeness, and I gotta say, I have a, I have a little preview of what's coming up from Bryce, and I'll say, oh, buckle up. It's <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we have a scenic route ahead of us. Um, oh, no. <laughs> we, we have to play a game that we play with all of our guests. I'm gonna go down a list of phenomenon. If you're open to it, you're gonna say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. You got to pick one in the moment. We can always circle back and talk about the ones you're on a fence about. Um, okay. This is so uh, rapid fire style. This is a game that we call bullshit or believe it. All right. Chrissy Fox on your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Aliens. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. Psychic vampires. Bullshit. Spontaneous human combustion. Bullshit, I hope. Astral projection. (laughs) Bullshit, I hope. (laughs) Ouija boards. Believe it. Alien abduction. Believe it. Dogman. Mm, believe it sure mothman believe it sheep squatch bullshit ritual magic (laughs) believe it levitation believe it the healing power of crystals bullshit we're living in a simulation 50 50 i guess i'll say bullshit the government is hiding the truth about Elvis. <laughs> um, bullshit. Alien human hybrids. Believe it. Miracles. Believe it. Reincarnation. Believe it. Destiny. Believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Well done. I gotta well say, done. I well really done. respect the unanxious yeah. approach to that uh list you had um I, some of them real- were more than others yeah, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah. i, I like just it- realized as you roll out dog man they're like yeah i'll go with that and then you hit him with mothman and they're like oh and then she and then he just whaps sheep squatch and you know mm-hmm. yeah i feel it, like it gets, it, that's just ridiculous <laughs> I don't think that i didn't think about there is there is oh, an art to the list that i'm building each year okay? oh i know <laughs> I do love that if you see if you draw that line where you draw that line between the three is always enjoyable to me. Um, <laughs> living in a simulation, 50-50 on it. 
I swear some days I'm completely convinced that that's mm. true. And then other days I'm like, that's just ridiculous. It's completely – it just really depends on, you know, the day or or what's going on. Because, yeah, I, I could definitely believe the argument, but I kind of don't want to believe it because it sounds super depressing to me. I mean, what's the difference at the end of the day? That's how I feel I guess about so. It. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Whatever it is, we're yeah. living in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Even if it's created by some all-knowing creator, or if it's not, or if it's a computer simulation, what's the difference? Yeah. It's Joey yeah, Pants in right. the Matrix eating steak saying, you know, <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, why don't we get to this week's story of high strangeness? Bryce, what delicious steak... Are you serving up in the Matrix this week? Oh, boy, Michael, do I have a steak for you. Um, today, I'm going to tell you a story about a land lost to time. A place of legend initially conceived of by some of the world's most preeminent scientists. A place that would become steeped in occult lore. A place that supposedly produces magical crystals that are apparently too good for us because whilst being sold at a booth at contact in the desert the man behind the stand refused to sell us any <laughs> yeah i'm talking about none other than lemuria nice. chrissy have you ever heard of lemuria no no Please okay tell me. okay well you're i'm not i'm not very skilled with with the that's okay. It's one of the lost okay. lands like Atlantis and Mew, but but we're going to get into all you that. You know, like Atlantis and Mew. <laughs> yeah. uh, Equally because well seeing as how this is the jet ski summer, I felt as though it wouldn't be a complete package without discussing Lemuria. See, Michael, I care. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to pick one lost continent to do during jet ski summer, I think it would be Atlantis. <laughs> but sure, let's go with Lemuria. Yeah, let's start here, and you'll see why. Now, I'd like to start by reading you an article from L.A.'s very first newspaper, the Los Angeles Star. This article is dated May 22, 1932. The descendants from a long-lost race from a vanished continent are alive and well and living on the slopes of Mount Shasta in Northern California claimed reporter Edward Lancer, who had first learned about these people while traveling at night on the Shasta Limited, the train taking him to Portland, Oregon. From the train's observation car, Lancer had seen strange red and green lights illuminating Mount Shasta. Intrigued, he asked the conductor, who of course told him, That's the work of the Lemurians. They're holding ceremonies. Well, flabbergasted and sensing a scoop, Lancer decides to set out on a little expedition straight into the heart of Mount Shasta Wilderness, not only in search of a story for his newspaper, but also to find out more about these supposed first inhabitants of Earth and their sacred ceremonies. So Lancer travels to the little-known town of Weed in Northern California, uh, where a few of the locals, I've been there, tell him they I too. I was just there this summer. <laughs> I was, <laughs> Me I too. Was here during Great Jet Ski time. Summer. Love that weed. Uh, tell him they too have seen the strange lights on Mount Shasta and that they are the work of an ancient race of mankind who inhabit a mystical village on the mountain, an ancient race known as the Lemurians. Only there's a problem. Well, actually, there's there's a multitude of problems, but we'll get into more of that later on. Apparently, one of, one of them being I covered most <laughs> of this in the Mount Shasta episode that you yes. weren't in. 
Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, you know, it's good to make up a sign. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's good to to hit it from a couple different. I actually angles. don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure how much of Lancer was in that. So this is a good. I have a feeling this will be a, a good perspective on it. Oh, I think so too. I think so too. This is a rare source. Now, apparently, no one was ever Call able today. to enter the sacred precincts of the Mount Shasta colony to see for themselves, or at least no one had ever made it out alive to tell the tale. However, there was one man who seemed to know more than most, a man by the name of Professor Edgar Lucen Larkin, an eminent scientist who had somehow managed to become an expert on this Lemurian settlement on Mount Shasta. So as any good reporter worth his or her salt, Lancer set out to meet this Professor Larkin, who apparently penetrated the Shasta wilderness as far as he could, or dared, and then cleverly continued his investigations from a promontory with a powerful long-distance scope. Yeah, right. This guy just sets up a tree blind and, and, and uses a big scope to spy on the Lemurians. And while he's doing that, he sees a beautiful temple. And it's a masterpiece of architecture, right, made of marble and onyx, and it's from his perch that Professor Larkin is able to quietly observe Lemurian behavior and essentially become an expert on the matter. Now, no one actually ever entered the sanctity of the Lemurian village to find out if they were a warlike people or not. It was just sort of generally assumed that they were a peace-loving race, living as their ancestors once did before their homeland sank beneath the sea. Now, Lancer, who talked to a good number of the locals in Weed, had determined that there was a, probably a good chance they did in fact run into a Lemurian or two, even if they didn't know it at the time. And he thought so because he heard strange reports of weird-looking individuals who would occasionally come into town to trade for supplies, purchasing huge quantities of sulfur, salt, and lard, and exciting the shopkeepers by paying with large gold nuggets worth much more than the run-of-the-mill products they were purchasing. Now, Michael, do those ingredients catch your attention, sulfur, Salt, lard. Well, I feel like you're going into uh, the fairy realm, food and uh, mm. salt territory here. Yeah, I mean, it sulfur does. obviously it... is the smell of you know people demonic presence, entities. Salt are, yeah, wards off uh, unwanted spirits, and then lard, like fat, like that's like the type of stuff that like fairies want to come eat little elves yeah. and fairies want to yeah. eat in rager pantries at night Chrissy. yeah it's a it's oh, a strange God. thing <laughs> yeah now through these detailed accounts of the shopkeepers lancer was able to get a general description lemurian was tall barefoot noble looking with close cropped hair and dressed in spotless white robes now by now, the poor newspaper reader's probably wondering how in the hell any of this could be true. And if it was, how was it possible that this race of mystical humans were able to avoid detection for so long? Well, Lancer provided the answer in his account and said that the Lemurians had possessed the secret powers of the Tibetan masters, which enabled them to blend with their surroundings and vanish at will. And that no one had ever penetrated their secret village because they had encircled it with an invisible protective boundary. According to Lancer, the Lemurians' knowledge far exceeded our own, and although they'd lived in America for hundreds of thousands of years, a place that they called Gustama, they never forgot their homeland of Lemuria, which they honored in their sacred light ceremonies held on the slopes of Mount Shasta. 
As incredible as all this sounds, I'm sure you can guess, no other investigator or reporter could confirm Lancer's story, and no other witnesses came forward other than Professor Larkin, who would remain the only eyewitness to the Lemurian village. And perhaps that's because his title of preeminent scientist might have been a little padded, let's say. It turns out Professor Larkin... Me? Yeah. <laughs> Falsified documents? Yeah, Woo-hoo. yeah. It turns out he was just an elderly occultist who ran the Mount Low Observatory, which was being run by the Pacific Electric Railway as a tourist attraction at that time. And Professor Larkin's job there was to point out different stars and constellations to visitors on the giant telescope, kind of like a third-year astronomy student. That's now, the bit- Big Dipper. <laughs> Don't ask me about the others, because that's the only one I know. Now, of interesting note, the Mount Wilson Observatory just right down the road, was literally doing real scientific work uh, ever since the turn of the century. It's funny that they were right next to each other. Now, in reality, this wasn't the first time someone would connect Mount Shasta to Lemuria, and it certainly wouldn't be the last. In fact, long before the LA Star article ever got published, a writer by the name of Frederick Spencer Oliver published an occult novel entitled A Dweller on Two Planets in 1894 under the name Phylus the Tibetan, a book which claimed that survivors from a sunken continent called Lemuria were living in a series of complex tunnels beneath Mount Shasta. Locals would sometimes see the creatures wandering outside the mountain in white robes. And then in 1931, Harvey Spencer Lewis, using the pseudonym Wiser Spenny Survey, wrote Lemuria, The Lost Continent of the Pacific, a book about the hidden Lemurians of Mount Shasta. And it's really this book that's widely regarded as the reason for the popularity for the legends of Lemurians in Mount Shasta. Now, the fictional accounts of Lemurians, hey, that's pretty easy to dismiss, right? But as far as the land of Lemuria is concerned, I would say slow your roll because the concept of Lemuria was developed by scientists trying to account for striking resemblances between the rocks and fossils of Central India and South Africa, as well as other peculiar flora and fauna. But it was one animal in particular that sparked a hot debate amongst evolutionists and creationists, an animal related to both man and monkey. I'm talking about the lemur. That's right, the cute little mammal that looks like a cross between a monkey and a squirrel that lives mainly on the island of Madagascar, but it's also found in Africa, India, and the Malay archipelago, leaving a lot of naturalists and biologists scratching their heads, wondering how was it that these little creatures could have spread across such a vast, empty ocean? Well, the biologists had a solution. They postulated that there must have been some sort of a huge landmass, a hidden continent that existed at a time when mammals were still evolving, that for some reason had sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Then in 1864, English zoologist Philip L. Sclater suggested that the continent be called Lemuria in honor of the lemur. Eminent scientists were quick to get on board with the hypothesis. Albert Russell Wallace, who developed the theory of evolution simultaneously with Darwin, had this to say. This is undoubtedly a legitimate and highly probable supposition, as it is an example of a way in which the study of the geographic distribution of animals may enable us to reconstruct the geography of a bygone age. That's right. 
Even German naturalist Ernst Heinrich Heichel was excited by the idea. He suggested that if Lemuria existed, it could potentially solve a hotly debated matter of far greater significance than the spread of lemurs, namely, the origin of man. Charles Darwin's theory of evolution proposed that man was descended from apes, but in the mid-19th century, no fossils connecting ape and man had yet been found. Although in truth, fragments of the Neanderthal man had already been found, it wouldn't be identified until later. Hackel believed that the intermediate evolutionary stages of man had taken place on Lemuria and that the fossil evidence had disappeared with the continent. With new leading theories like plate tectonics and continental drift, we have no long since done away with the need for a Lemuria-type place of origin, just as other theories have been found to account for the distribution of the lemur, and we don't get in, need to get into that here. But for the sake of our story, the Lemurian train had already left the station, or shall I say, the Shasta Limited. And it didn't take long for upstart occultists to jump aboard the moving train like Helena Blavatsky, founder of the Theosophical Society and widely considered to be one of the greatest occultists of all time, as well as Austrian occultist Rudolf Steiner, member of the Order Temple Orientis. Both doubled down on this idea of a lost Lemurian continent, and especially its imagined inhabitants, inhabitants filled with supernatural abilities and powers. Pretty shaky ground to build an entire framework of centuries-old occult beliefs, but that's what they did. In 1888, she published her magnum opus, The Secret Doctrine, and in it, Blavatsky set out her philosophy, which would give her readers insight into the ancient wisdom imparted to her by the Brotherhood of Mahatmas, ethereal beings who were said to run the world from their Tibetan headquarters. Madame Blavatsky maintained that her book was based on an ancient work called the Book of Daizan, which the Mahatmas had shown her during their astral visits, but the Book of Dizan, she says, was written on palm leaf pages and had been composed in Atlantis in the now forgotten Sensar language. Besides describing Atlantis, it dealt with the lost continent of Lemuria. Blavatsky described the Lemurians as gigantic, brainless, ape-like creatures, which I think is pretty interesting. But <laughs> according to Blavatsky, some of the Lemurians had four arms, and some had an eye in the back of their head, which gave them psychic vision. Okay. They had no... <laughs> they had no... <laughs> well, and they, they, she would go on to say that the eye in the back of the head would later uh, go on to form what's known as our pineal gland. But uh, more on, uh, more on us and how we all... in the front of our head. Right? I know, Not I know. Back. I think it moved Levi's over time. It moves. It moves. And, she, and she said... They spoke language using telepathy instead of method of, uh, they used telepathy. And they lived in caves and holes in the ground. And although they had no proper brain, they could use their willpower to literally move mountains. He's now, dumb, Bl but he's pretty powerful with that big brain of his. <laughs> I mean, it's strange, right? After Blavatsky's death in 1891, her successor, Annie Besant, wrote at length on the subject of Lemuria and its people as did leading British theosophist W. Scott Elliott, who put the finishing touches on Madame Blavatsky's Lemuria with astonishing counts based on occult revelations he had received from the theosophical masters. From Scott Elliott's description, the Lemurians were far from beautiful. They were between 12 and 15 feet tall. They had a roll of flesh that took the place of a forehead. Their skin was brown and their eyes were set so far apart that they could see sideways as well as forwards. 
Lemurians. I feel like, I feel like everyone's just trolling each other now with these Lemurian descriptions. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, and uh, basically, his whole face was curiously flattened and uh, just a hideous creature. And better yet, the Lemurians had also domesticated this wild, monstrous lizard that they would walk on a leash uh, made out of twisted creeper, and they use these sinister monsters as hunting companions. This is like now, early Marvel comics where they're just like, but no one is paying connect attention to like continuity or canon, so they're just like, you know, now <laughs> Captain America has a pet crocodile, and his face is disgusting. You know, it's no, just totally. like they're, they're just reinventing stuff, trying to top the person who came before them. Meanwhile, the oh audience God. is like, wait, 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 what? What are the new rules of this universe? <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what's happened. It was it was Lemurian world building at its finest. Iron Man has Elliot, a belly button in the in his back. <laughs> according to Lemur, uh, Elliot, the Lemurians started out as egg laying hermaphrodites, but by the time their fifth subrace Obviously. evolved, they were producing as we don't. Now, I should mention here mm -hmm. that the Theosophists described the emergence of life on Earth in terms of root races and that our planet is destined to have seven root races, each composed of seven sub-races. Now, the third root race was the Lemurians. The fourth root race were the Atlantean humans who were destroyed through black magic. And we, humans, are the fifth root race. And get this, the sixth will evolve from us and return to live on Lemuria. You see how that all comes back full circle like that? Isn't that nice? I mean, this all sounds like white nonsense. I just got to say, this is, I don't like this conversation about root races at all. It makes me yeah, very Yeah, I mean, well, today it's, it, today it's tainted terminology. But, you know, it, it, what she was describing was, you know, um, you know, indigenous cultures around the world have described sort of like the world has suffered certain catastrophic events and, sure. and certain epochs and, you know, I think that's what they were referring to, but yeah. As I was saying, the Lemurians started out as egg-laying hermaphrodites, but by the time their fifth subrace evolved, they were producing as we do. However, during their sexual progress, they foolishly interbred with beasts, producing the apes that still populate our planet. Occult science, y'all. Oh man. Oh my god. <laughs> that's during science. That's science for you. <laughs> During the period of the 6th and 7th subraces, Lemuria began to break up as various parts of the continent sank. But, but, a peninsula of Lemuria extend, that extended into the North Atlantic grew into, any guesses? Florida. Mount Shasta. <laughs> Atlantis. That's right. Atlantis grew from the remains of Lemuria. Then it's basically like Game of Thrones for the next 100,000 years or so with the remaining Lemurians fighting with the new Atlanteans and shit just gets crazy. According to LemurianConnection.com, oh Michael, could you please read this as a highly evolved Lemurian, please? I really don't want to because I really <laughs> am upset by this whole thing, but sure, for the sake of the show. Thank you. Here we go. Apologies in advance if I end up saying something that sounds remotely racist. <laughs> <laughs> Dissension between Atlantis and Lemuria arose regarding the development and evolution of other civilizations. 
We Lemurians believe that the other less evolved cultures should be left alone to continue their own evolution at their own pace according to their own understandings and pathways, whereas the Atlanteans believe that less evolved cultures should be controlled by the two more evolved civilizations. This argument over ideologies resulted in several thermonuclear wars which weakened both our continental plates. When the wars were over and the dust had settled, there were no winners, only death, destruction, and further debasing of the human spirit to the point that both sides realized the futility of such media. Yes, yes, that's right. Well done, well done. And <laughs> so what do the Lemurians do? They decide they're going to take their ball and go play somewhere else. That's right, they're going to build a separate society away from everyone. Any guesses as to where that might be? Mount Shasta? That's right, Riley, <laughs> inside Mount Shasta! Are we being indoctrinated be... right now? <laughs> <laughs> where they would be safe from any more conflict on the surface of the Earth. Safe inside Mount Shasta, where the remaining 200,000 Lemurians built the crystal city of Telos. Doesn't that sound like a Marvel, uh, Marvel Universe city, I, Telos? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's this is the stuff. There's a lot of stuff that, um, I mean, honestly, if you want me to answer this question, like Jack Kirby was into all this stuff, and when he, mm. I really believe when he created the Inhumans, uh, which lived in a crystal city, I believe, in the middle of a mountain, a lost mountain. They were like a lost ancient race that the aliens had created. And they all had like magic powers and superpowers. They originally started in the Fantastic Four. And I really think this was his like take on the Lemurians. Uh, Atlantis is in Marvel Comics. So he was like mm. into all this stuff and making it all right. like comic booky and pulpy, which is cool because that's what it is. It's comic book pulp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and, and you know, it, it, it's hard to get through here too, just how big of a significance Madame Blavatsky played on the occultist yeah. world and the Theosophist Society. I mean, this was groundbreaking stuff and people just engaged with it hook, line, and sinker. Now, you know, it's said today that Telos houses 1.5 million Lemurians, so they probably had to do a few add-ons. Modern-day believers say that Lemuria can be felt and contacted through spiritual practices. The Lemurians were a highly evolved spiritual race, so they can be contacted through spiritual messages from believers. And it's also believed that the Lemurians use crystals as communication tools. The Lemurians program these crystals to teach their messages of oneness and healing. And obviously, crystals are revered by modern-day Lemurian believers. Now... The physical appearance of Lemurians, as Michael was referencing, has almost been as hotly debated as Lemuria itself. Some believe Lemurians look like highly evolved humans, like a hot, tall Ryan Gosling with long hair, while others believe they have more animalistic qualities, like a troglodyte or even, dare I say, a Bigfoot. Where do you guys land on these Lemurians, hot or not? Chrissy? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, have you guys ever been to Mount Shasta? I have. I, I mean, mm -hmm. okay. So I, we spent an evening there because we were Did on Did you tour go to the, the gold room or whatever that place was called? The no, we didn't go in the city. We were on tour and our, uh, our merch guy got food poisoning. So we were pulled over on the side of the road in the middle of like the woods at night. And I could just see, I, I could see it being more of like a 
hills have eyes type thing than than any of this. I'm, I'm not <laughs> totally. sure. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a story quite like that. So thank you, Bryce. Oh, well, you're welcome. Well, uh, Chrissy, <laughs> it's not done yet. So yeah, yeah. Oh, there's more. Yeah, there is more. I'm going to bring you to weigh in if you think yeah. that they're the Lumerians okay. are hot. Uh, yeah, I, or, uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely don't think they're hot. But that's, okay, that's just okay. Yeah, Riley, yeah, yeah. you want to weigh in? Hot or not? They might be. You know, like the, I, I like the idea they're in their flowing robes and they're just yeah. really vibey. You could be a Lumerian. Like, hey man, you got any sulfur? Salt, <laughs> lard. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna like keep this in the Jack Kirby realm and say like some are hot, some are not. They're like a mixed bag, like where, you know, like the, the the, yeah, they kind of have like their own. They're kind of like the X Men mutants, you know, where like some of them are Jean Grey and then some of them are Archie and Leech. That's a deep cut for people who know what I'm talking about. You know, you can be like an ugly mutant or you can be a hot mutant. So I think yeah, you get both. Yeah. Well, okay. in closing. My club scouts, what began as speculation in the minds of biologists looking for a land bridge in the Indian Ocean had developed into a complex occult world picture centered on both Atlantis and Lemuria, which, depending on whose story you'd like to go on, might once have joined together in a single massive continent that covered practically the entire southern hemisphere and stretched all the way into the North Atlantic. Now, interestingly enough, it was this wild theory of a lost Lemuria that eventually led scientists to develop the Pangaea theory, which states that all of Earth's continents were once part of an enormous single landmass called Pangaea, a theory that's widely accepted today. Now, as far as the inner life of the Lemurian goes, maybe there's a germ of truth to these accounts <laughs> of highly civilized society and their lost continent, you know? Um, uh, like we talked about, all these cultures seem to have an antediluvian uh, world mythology, uh, a paradise that existed before a series of catastrophic global events took place. And who knows? We know so very little about our past and origins. History is up for grabs, as Graham Hancock likes to say. Also, can we really rule out this idea of astral clairvoyance or the ability to channel information from interdimensional or extraterrestrial sources? I don't think so. For thousands of years, people have reported receiving strange messages from cryptic sources, whether from a burning bush, a talking plant, aliens, or a galactic council of nine, we are on the receiving end of some type of transmission. Some occultists believe that even Plato himself might have used this method of astral clairvoyance to travel back through time whilst compiling his Atlantis story. Maybe there was a Lemuria, or whatever you want to call it. Maybe there are Lemurians. I don't know, but what I do know is that still to this very day, people are flocking to Mount Shasta in search for Lemurians and their spiritual enlightenment. And maybe it's like Blavatsky foretold, the sixth race will evolve from us and return to the lost homeland of Lemuria, which according to legend is underwater, which could mean, you know what? We're going to develop into mermen and merwomen and rule the world. <laughs> oh, God. That's our destiny. <laughs> Fascinating that stuff. Out. Yeah, yeah. Chrissy, what do you think? Bullshit or believe it? Lemuria. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm never someone to say that anything anything is possible. I mean, I believe in aliens. I believe in all a lot of shit. But I mean, this seems like maybe a little bullshit. I'm still probably gonna have nightmares about this tonight. But. <laughs> <laughs> I How about you, Michael Riley? What do you make of all this Lemurian fervor? 
Riley? I mean, I think it's pretty wrapped up in like the new agey, like um, kind of, you know, it's a very embellished. I mean, who knows about the uh, the original human societies, right? Like that mm. there is so much undocumented history from before the modern era. Like who knows where the continents were and who was doing what and all that. <laughs> right. This right. specific stuff, you know, the details, it's like we've got an account from like a guy with a telescope in weed. <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> or being paid astral visits. Yeah. By, right. Or know, yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got astral masters. visits. Right. Yeah. That said, uh, I think I've mentioned before on the podcast when I was, I was inducted into the Source family, which is like an early. Oh yeah, it was like yeah. We talked about pole. this on Mac Early's episode with uh, yeah, Mount Chester. Well, the name I was given was Telos Aquarian, so I have like a no, little water you know, crystal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. a little Dude. soft spot in my heart for the uh, the old Lemurian. You know, but the no, one I, thing I, they all agreed on is that Lemurians were tall. And right. you know, Riley, yeah, got Riley. tall. I got the long hair. <laughs> you got the long I love, hair. I the, love flowing robes. The, yeah, you know, that beautiful. It, face. it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with, I'm, I'm with Riley on the, like, you know, I like the idea of like, there was an ancient civilization, maybe global such situation. And then like, there was nuclear war. And then there was a long period where like society rebuilt itself. Like that's fun, dystopian sci-fi, perhaps like I have room to, I have room for that. The stuff that makes me uncomfortable when we get into like specifically the West Coast and all these like people in the 1930s coming out and being like, there's a race of like ascended masters living here. It seems to skip over the very important part of history where European settlers committed genocide and took this land away from the people that were there. And I feel like this type of stuff seems to sort of, for lack of a better term, sorry, I'm on a soapbox here, but like it tends to like whitewash history a little bit. Right. And sort of point Mm -hmm. to like a history that we wished maybe wished existed because then we didn't have to admit about the atrocities that happened, you know, in order to settle on the West coast. A distraction. Yeah. 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 And sort of ignoring the actual recent history. It's sort of like coming up with a new mythology and a new history. Mm. And so that stuff always really makes me a little like irksome. You know what I mean? But the Jack Kirby version of it, the pure science fiction version of it, of like ancient weirdos living in a mountain and paying, you know, paying locals gold for rock salt. I love that shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I think a lot of, I think a lot of it is like revisionist history to sort of make white people feel better about what actually occurred on the, you know, in the West and in this Mm -hmm. entire country, frankly. But Mm, yeah, that's all. I just want to like put that not to like spoil it. Cause again, Love the Inhumans by Jack Kirby, but this stuff always makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. For, for me in researching this, I just didn't realize how, you know, uh, how close Blavatsky's Theosophist Society uh, connected with us here in California. It was just kind of like, oh, wow, it all kind of came full circle. And, and uh, you know, because you always hear such a lot about, you know, those those great occultists that um, wrote those big books. And so it's interesting to have some perspective as to, you know, yeah. where they're, where they're laying down their mythology and why. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, because then it also gets into creepy stuff. Like this stuff also seems to feel very like master racy to me a little bit too. Mm, and then we yeah. get it, you know, and this stuff was also like 
you know, the Nazis were into this occultist stuff and this ancient master race stuff. So I always get a little uncomfortable. I think it's worth doing, maybe not for the show, but maybe for the show, like, what was going on with this big spiritual movement? What was going on? What was the appeal of like, hey, history is not what we think it is. For me, it's got, I feel like it's got to be because history is so horrible that people want to ignore it. But it is it is weird that there are these like societies and occult groups. And, you know, even out here in Hollywood, there's like the Cretona Society was settling, you know, and like. There's like all there is this period of the spiritual movement that kind of comes out this early new age stuff that's really weird. And I don't know why it was so popular. Yeah, I I, I think people feel a deep connection uh, to a source outside of themselves and possibly even outside of this planet. Yeah, I think there's that. And I think I think when. I think when people have like claimed land that isn't there, they want to come up with new mythology that makes them feel okay that they're there. Mm, You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, All right. Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) What a a note. DCC jet ski summer. (laughs) (laughs) Uncomfortable issues. (laughs) Um, Chrissy, well well done, Bryce. That was very well reported. Chrissy. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find Allegoria and follow your work? Yes. So Allegoria is out on Shutter right now. If you have a Shutter uh, subscription, not a prescription. Um, and if you, if otherwise it's on VOD available now. And my Instagram is Chrissy Fox or one Fox productions. Um, Twitter is knee Fox and Facebook's Chrissy Fox. Great. Perfect. Uh, anything else to plug coming up other than the movie? that you guys any shows or anything? Um, uh, well, right now, well, I mean, if you want to go check out Spider on the Freaks on Parade tour right now, they're out. Um, he's out with his brother, Rob Zombie, and um, Mudvayne and Static X. They're going across the U.S. right now. And uh, Spider and I actually just finished our most recent film called Bury the Brides. So watch Ooh. out for that probably cool. later this year, early next year. Love it. Nice. Sounds yeah. great. Um, you can follow us at Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram, at Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. Uh, check out my other podcast, Slate Your Name. Season one is available right now. I'm talking to actors about acting and the disappointment, the highs and lows of the business. Bryce is on an episode. We had a fantastic conversation. Uh, if you are an actor and you're looking for a little bit of audition coaching or maybe some uh, help with your acting work, you can email me and book a coaching session with uh, at bookitwithmike at gmail.com. Bryce, anything to plug? No. Yeah. Go see Allegoria. And, uh, yeah. and that's it. Great. He's great in it. He oh, is great in too. it. Thank you. Right on. Riley, what you right on. I'll leave it at I'll leave it at that. I, I, I have I have nothing to plug. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks oh, for being what a, here. What a, our pleasure. Oh my gosh. I mean, the most haunted woman we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. We can you talk get off the title. Air. Here's if the you, title for sure. Yeah. If you uh want some help, maybe with this. If not, that's okay. We're not gonna push you to do anything you don't want to do. Uh, but we do have some friends that could probably help with this situation. We do, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, maybe we should do a live on on, I... on your podcast. Oh, here we go. We appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks again to Chrissy Fox. Until next time, good night. And of course, go get regressed. Yeah. <laughs>
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.